in movies, TV series, video games, books, and more. This is Potential Picks. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Potential Picks. I'm Chris and I'm joined by Taylor. As always, today we are reviewing A Quiet Place, Part Dos, Dos Equis. Um, but yeah, we're doing A Quiet Place Stay Part quiet, 2 today. Stay quiet. This whole review is going to be very quiet. Otherwise... <laughs> Um, this, of course, was written and directed once again by John Krasinski. This is the follow-up to the big hit movie, A Quiet Place. And uh, this has been long awaited. This was actually, uh, for those listening, for Taylor, this movie was going to come out and then everything shut down. It was it was that big release of that week. It was like the March 20th, 21st uh, release of 2020. And then everything shut down. And so, of course, it's been postponed a few times, but it finally got its release on May 28th. So uh, we're going to talk spoilers today. So here is your spoiler warning. Well, that guy's dead. He was way too loud. I know. Geez. What do we tell him? <laughs> so, Taylor, you know, this movie, the first film was so uh well done in terms of a movie that's not only a a horror movie a family drama movie but uh, a movie that uses a gimmick that really gets the whole audience to really be on the same side of you don't want to make any noise you actually feel that sense when you're watching the movie because of these creatures that are attracted to sound and that definitely continued into part two so what was your kind of anticipation for finally getting it back into the world of a quiet place. I was really excited to see, you know, where this world was going on. We still didn't know what these creatures came from. Have they always been here? You know, we didn't. It was kind of just a lot of unanswered questions. And then we were kind of revealed at the end of the first one. Okay, these creatures can be hurt by the, uh, you know, hyper you know, by using the cochlear implant. They can use it to make high frequency noises. So because we knew they were tough to get through their thick hides it wasn't about killing them it was just you know surviving them surviving, so i was yeah. really excited to see you know where okay first of all we're going to learn more where's it going to go what we're going to do so because the movie did a did a lot as a family drama but also a very scary horror film but also a good sci-fi film but it didn't reveal too much it left you really wanting more and that's very rare uh, for Phil's first film, it also ended. It also ended in such a kind of abrupt ending. Yeah, in a way. it wasn't like I'm like, wait, that's it. You kind of like, wait, I want more. It was a unique, you know. They they managed to kill the one creature that was in the basement with them, you know, attacking them, and then they obviously knew that in that area there was two others, and it was kind of like, oh well, if uh, if we can kill one, we can kill others, and it was kind of this cool like dun 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 shotgun clink clink. And then the movie ended and it was like, oh, okay. So like, it didn't leave it off that like the story's over. So we, okay. The, at least the cool thing is we know that they know how to fight back, yeah. uh, which definitely was not the case prior as, you know, they're kind of thinking what's the weakness to these creatures. Cause they are very, they're very fast. They're very strong. And again, their skin is like 
rock like materials so guns don't do a lot of uh damage to them but obviously underneath is the more soft uh skin that does so i like that we knew that from the trailers we were going to get a bit of a sequence of day one you know something i like that this movie these movies do is they kind of do the somewhat zombie apocalypse thing of you know day three 355 day 100 you know so you kind of get a sense of time we got this cool whole opening sequence of day one of the initial attack and uh you know this is where we get krasinski back of course who had sacrificed himself in the first movie uh Gotta tell you, Taylor, this whole opening sequence was really well done. I thought this was like one of the best sequences of the movie. Uh, it was intense, and yeah, it has had a right, right amount of tension because um, you mm-hmm. knew what was going to happen. You knew, but it was just when, yeah, when. exactly, a matter of when. <laughs> and the creepy, really, I think you know, we've obviously a lot of people theorized after the first movie. Okay, are these yeah creatures of the deep? Are they aliens? Did they come from another planet? Uh, what say you? you know that's always the thing of these kind of movies with monsters like this is well they can't they're not they don't seem natural from earth uh just that shot of uh you know krasinski with his family at the ball game and they just kind of look up in the sky and they see this huge kind of asteroid comet in the distance and yeah of they're course, all kind of like okay let's let's get out of here we don't know what's going which, on okay i will say it was i was like little slow to the uh, reaction i'm like if you were anywhere and thinking of the last couple you know decades of thinking about uh nuclear weapons and just like well first of all this is, this is know? based in reality this 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 world you know based on our world so it was like i've seen at this point enough sci-fi films like okay let's run that's an asteroid yeah, get to I a s- shelter we know what happened like, to the dinosaurs yeah. we gotta go you know <laughs> And it was just creepy. Like they were kind of like, um, I think we should go. And it, it, <laughs> it was, was like, that, it was like a fire drill. All right, everybody evacuate. <laughs> get to your cars. It's just another, you know, test. But no, I liked that it was a creepy, like, it seemed like it was way off in the distance. So you're like, okay, there's no way that at least that if this thing is these creatures coming to earth somehow, they're not going to show up like instantly. No, they show up instantly. And that immediate reaction of that one cop, you know, like, you know, gets run into and then it's like, oh, seeing how quickly Krasinski almost kind of understood of needing to be quiet, uh, which, again, that made me lead to something of a, maybe a theory of maybe he sent something ahead of time because he kind of talks to that cop like, you know, he got out of the car very quick as if he was friends with the cops. And we don't really know what his backstory is in terms of uh, did he work in a government center before? Did he kind of know of anything? He clearly has a good eye for. Uh, understanding about some of the procedures when he, you know, looking look at that room he had, he knew how to do very well with them um, radios and signals and, you know, kind of mapping out like, okay, uh, this is where these creatures might live. So we, I kind of think that he maybe had something about him that was better for survival tactics than your average Joe in the bar. Yeah. But it was interesting that it was very quickly after he kind of had this little chat that the attack started and he kind of really quickly was like, you got to be quiet, which I yeah, thought was very, and I, very interesting. And it, and it showed a great deal like, wow, this is how the the whole planet fell so quickly. It's like these things just, and you yeah, know, because, you know. You made a good point before we started recording that we don't see them really eat the humans. They just Yeah, kill it them. threw me off with this one because the first one, I thought that they, they, they ate, you know, humans. But it's well, like we saw see, that we saw that one. Um, we're just talking about that, that great scene in the first movie where um, – 
you know, Lee and the son have been doing this whole fishing trip and he's been kind of helping them relax a little bit going, you know, there are areas you can scream, but you know, if it's a louder noise, then it's a softer noise. You're safe. Then they see this old man who sees his dead wife on the floor. But I guess in that way, it didn't necessarily look like it was a, a bite or anything. Again, these creatures have very long claws and their, their long arms. So maybe it was a, a kind of a scythe like kill, but yeah, it was interesting that these creatures who are very, very fast and obviously very strong, can cut through metal, can cut through anything. They weren't really like stopping to like go to chow time. Uh, they were just killing them. And it's like, so, I hear a noise, I must kill. And you kind of you kind of think though, if it is some kind of alien invasion, were they sent down to kind of be the weapons to take out the mass force so that maybe whoever sent them could come down for resources or for land or, you know, who knows. Um, but a very cool opening sequence where we kind of get the, the sense of the danger, how it all started. And then we cut to right after where the first movie ended. So that was kind of a neat, like, all right, this is a, the prequel part of the movie and now straight to next, the next chapter sequel. And, you know, you think about it, they got attacked a lot of mayhem happened in the first movie. So now it's like the farm is no longer safe and they have this baby and now their main protector is no longer with them. So they kind of have only one choice. We got to set out and, you know, we, we've been doing these fires. Again, it makes it always makes me think of, um, makes me think of Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, you know, and they light the torches and all, all over the mountains, you see the fires, but they know that there are people out there that have also survived. So they think maybe our better bet is to, try to go find them but as we know in a lot of horror movies when it comes to uh survival apocalyptic situations a lot of people don't stay sane and don't stay very good no. uh, and that that was uh, right away in this first main scene uh we knew that one key moment in the trailer where emily blunt kind of goes through a fence and she goes right into a tripwire and then a huge bucket of bottles comes down it's like oh crap but i tell you man taylor uh, apart from jump scares, I my entire body clenched up when poor little Marcus the son stepped on that bear trap. Oh my gosh! And it was and it was a great reaction because he's like, because it happens so quickly. He looks like, oh my gosh, is this, this real? Yeah. yeah, and he screams, and you're like, you're tense enough, like don't yell, dude. You're gonna get like. <laughs> But in that moment, like, what are you supposed to do? Like, bite on, like, bite on something. And it was like, it's those little moments that just kept that tension going. So, like, the whole time this film, you were like, but that, yeah, I mean, that's like what, fifteen minutes in the film, and you're like, oh my gosh, please don't. I, yeah, I was like, oh gosh, is this guy already gonna die? It's like, the, yeah, again, like the first fifteen minutes. In the All movie. right, leave the son. We we lost the dad. You know, other kid with the car in the first film. We're just losing the Abbott family left and right. But no, he survives, and we're quickly introduced to uh, the main male lead here next to the Abbott family, uh, Killian Murphy's Emmett. And as we see in the uh, flashbacks, he was a friend of the Abbott family, and he's kind of he shows what the outside world has kind of become. He's kind of representing like. And he's, you know, we've seen the trailer, and the, again, this is part of the spoilers, but he represents what the world is like outside the farm. Because the Abbott family hasn't really, you know, it's been months since the Abbott family has seen any other humans besides, you know, Nutball in the woods. Um, <laughs> but uh, so they don't but know. But Joe. 
<laughs> Rip Van Winkle. Yeah. Uh, look at me, up and about. Um, so they're like they don't know what's. They're just they're still hopeful. They still have that innocence that we can. Yeah, get and this he, world back he definitely. You can tell that even though, you know, you, you think okay, there's sometimes you don't see friends for a year and a half. I mean, think about. I've stayed in touch, but there was a time where like we didn't see each other for like four years. Yeah. Now, of course, in this world, there's really not cell phones and all that stuff because everything's gone to, you know, gone to hell. But the use of fire and trying to use radio you know, frequencies, there was still ways that Lee was trying to contact other people. So we do get this kind of burden sense that he could have taken the initiative to try to come help them, but never did. And of course, a lot of that goes with his grief of the loss of his, uh, his sons and his wife. Um, and we don't really get a, a whole lot in the backstory of his sons, but that was kind of neat that in the beginning, yeah, we saw that one of his kids also played on the same team that Marcus played on. So obviously they lived in the same town. They were friends. They knew each other. And he's kind of, you know, I can kind of get it. If you're, you're, you know, in this world where you're really relying on uh, instinct and luck and anything you can find uh, to survive, if you've lost all of your love, all your loved ones, you're kind of at that peak uh, where you really become more animalistic than anything, where you're yeah. like, I can't risk getting involved because I've already lost too much. But I love that this story was a way for, whereas with Lee, we got a sense that he would do anything for his kids. Uh, but Emily Blunt's character was like, what are we if we can't protect our kids? Which is why he, of course, makes the ultimate sacrifice so that they can survive. I like that in this movie, it was a similar story, but we saw this kind of evolution over the course of the film of Emmett kind of taking a step to be like, look, I can do something for good here and help this family. And he really makes a great bond with um, Millicent Simmons' character, the daughter who is deaf, uh, this whole kind of journey they go along together. So I thought that was actually really smart, uh, you know, writing right there, that character. And he was really good in the movie. And continuing on with the first and second one, a great thing, I don't know if anyone knows this, uh, for those who have seen both films, um, Simmons is deaf in real life. So I think that really, and the fact that they, with Krasinski and all the filming, they worked really hard to make sure that all the sign language was articulately clean. And that was, and, and, and I think it's it's beautiful because in this film, you're able to represent someone um who ha who is deaf and um, showing deafness in American Sign Language to really show it in a positive way. And she really be kind of becomes the focal point of this movie where the first one, she's kind of still kind of the whiny teen uh, yes. without being really whiny, you know, uh, signy, you know, yeah. uh, we're going to call it that. <laughs> um, so she kind of leads this, this heroine. She kind of goes on her own journey uh, and it's really she takes beautiful. takes the initiative. There's these scenes where, you know, she's going off her own, but, you know, she was born, I believe she's born deaf, so she doesn't know anything different. But those scenes where it's just from her perspective, you don't hear anything, that's some of the most tense moments. Because I'm yeah. thinking, if I can't hear, I don't know what noise I'm making. And there's some great scenes where she's like, and, and, and talking about, you know, the world building, you know, they show enough the creatures, but they show enough of, like, the destruction Without um, showing the scene. Exactly. You were telling me, we were talking about this earlier yeah. about showing that. The, the train sequence to me was very eerie because you just got a sense of this was just a train on that one day that was heading to its destination. And these creatures went 
town. And, um, you know, we knew from the first movie that they were very, they were powerful enough that they could, they could break through metal objects and stuff, but you just kind of sense that she kind of went through this train car and there was a couple bodies in there. And then she comes to this opening and it's just hugely broken into, and she sees just nothing but train cars and there's scratch marks all around them. And it was, yeah, something that is, both movies did very well was for a movie that has so much importance on sound and how sound is death. Uh, sound gives you away. Sound is what they hunger for. Uh, the sound editing between these moments where when it's her point of view, uh, it is completely silent, um, you know, or it's very, very muted where you barely hear anything. And it does lead you to just really- feel, you just you almost hear, but or feel the vibrations of what she would sense. Yeah. So, and of course, I mean, yeah. she can't hear if the creatures are coming up on her unless she notices it. So, of course, we're as the audience going, it's behind you. And you know, we're it's whispering very, in the audience, too. Yeah. Um, it's very, very intense, but I do love how how well they play with that because yeah, and and just the idea too that the initial uh, you know detriment to these creatures was sound itself. High pitched frequency actually made them freak out enough that they would kind of their shell would almost open up, uh, and then that was of course the way for them to to shoot and harm these things. So very smart that it's like you know making a sound is death. But at the same time, making the right sound will save you. Um, now, yeah, you, you talked about how she kind of is going off on this whole quest. That, you know, kind of understand the brother right now is not able to really move because of his injury. And they still have the baby and only have the one tank. So, you know, the mom's thinking, I got to go get meds. I got to get air tanks. So she's kind of doing her own thing. She's not as big a part here. But the daughter understands that, well, there's this frequency we're hearing on the radio. It's playing somewhere beyond, beyond the sea. sea. Somewhere. And, you know, oh, it's just a song. Um, In the last and a half, has anyone heard a song on the radio? And it's kind of like, well, you guys were in, you were in the valley and you don't hear things as well. But she kind of understands that that must be a radio signal. And if I can get to that radio signal, I can put this on anyone who has that radio signal could then damage these things and it could save lives. So she kind of steps up to the plate. She kind of goes, I'm going to go do this. And, you know, she ends up getting help with Killian's character along the way, but it led to some very eerie moments. Again, like that train one. And then one that, you know, you, you saw it in the trailer. It was very eerily said, and this is where Killian Murphy's acting is really good, where he's kind of that very just subtle. He's like, you don't know, do you? You don't know what people are like up here. He's like, some people, the people that are left, they're not worth saving. And, you know, kind of the idea of, well, we're worth saving. We're good people. But then we get the uh, the backwoods <laughs> bonkers people. Yeah, the feral the swamp, the swamp bayou, the bayou This was boys. creepy. This was a great oh scene, but it was creepy. And this is one of those scenes where I go, oh, this is something they could play with more in the sequel. Is there might be people that have, have gone so crazy thinking of the damage these things can do that they're actually worth uh, they take their time to set traps up and, uh, and try to get people to be killed. Uh, so this was a very creepy scene, but I love that it had a throwback moment, which I was waiting for the whole time. Uh, in that initial scene on, on the, the baseball, you know, Emmett's kind of learning a bit of sign language and the daughter goes, uh, he's like, what's for dive? And they do like dive, you know, dive. And then it kind of threw back to later. He's like, you know, oh, dive dive into the water it'll save your life so that was a cool kind of connected throwback and you know for a character that has lost her father and a huge part of the first movie was her thinking that the father didn't love her anymore because you know she felt responsible for the death of their little brother 
I like that this movie was kind of a way for her to be like him kind of being like a father figure helping her. Yeah, but she can she can make his and her her father's death wasn't in vain. You know, I can wasn't I can, in vain. I can save people because of his sacrifice. And I love that he says to her at one point, you're you're really you know, I'm nothing like your father. You are. And it really it affects her very deeply. Um, but that was kind of, you know, kind of made me think a little bit of actually I was thinking of um, The Last of Us Part Two, uh, you know, when they go to Catalina and all that stuff, uh, them kind of finding this little island, this safe haven where, where it's there's like a whole this group is, of people I that know, have. It's like a whole other world, you know, it's, it's like, like what is going they're on? having they're having a barbecue, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was great. Um and we get, uh, you know, an actor that we love in so many things. Uh, small part for this movie. Yeah, very small part. Small part. Um, but Jimon Honsu here is um, literally just titled as Man on Island. They couldn't even give him a name, um, <laughs> yes. which is funny. But, yeah, we're seeing that there's a group of colonists who have survived in this island because they find out that the alien creatures cannot swim. Uh, they, they're too heavy to swim. So they've survived for so long uh but of course all things in a horror movie must come to a creepy terrible end and uh one of the creatures did tag along on the boat and goes to town goes to town on these people uh which was a very intense scene i felt bad for that guy with the well uh, <laughs> he's just yeah, getting just the water get, just getting some water and another day in paradise not so much and uh, the whole island's pretty much decimated of course uh emmett and Regan, they have to, they're like, okay, we need to get to this radio tower and, and get this thing done, which it should have done, you know, out day ago, but whatever. Yeah, instead of sitting around having marshmallows and stuff, you think, do that right away. But, you know, it's a horror movie. Sometimes bad decisions have to be made. But I like that it did accumulate for that story of getting into this radio station, uh, getting to put that on to the radio so that it would be signaled out to anyone who has a signal. And, you know, in the meantime, the brother made the mistake of going to this little, you know, vault shaft that uh, you could only breathe in for about maybe two minutes or so. Well, he gets stuck in there with the younger brother, the baby, and there's only so much oxygen. And eventually, Emily Blunt shows back up, kind of makes the rescue, but they're like, they're being literally attacked by this one creature who is who can't fit into it, but it continually scratches. And oh gosh, it gets her leg at one point, gives a nice scratch. But then he, the brother, hears the reception of, you know, her hearing aid and goes, it connects right away. Holy crap, it's my sister. And I love that his character in one and two has really been the nervous Nelly. He's not very brave. He's always, let's do the safest thing possible. And this was his moment to hero up. And he goes forward with the radio and he's pushing this thing back. And then he grabs the gun. I love how it was a cool cut back and forth the way Krasinski oh, exactly. did it where yeah. it's like both siblings are using this power and then they both kill a creature at the same time and again it was like a really cool like okay look at how you know now they've stepped up the mom kind of stepped up in the first one to be that she killed one now they have but then again it was an abrupt ending it was yeah, like exactly we like... did it quite place part two <laughs> and I was like oh it's over so you know, I will say overall, it was such a fun thrill ride. I think the movie was very enjoyable. It continued the story that uh, in a lot of great ways. Still had the world building. Still didn't give away a lot. And 
I wonder where they would go for a third film, knowing that now they have this reception that they could cast anywhere that has it. Um, would they find a bigger radio station and make it worldwide or something? And, you know, still thinking that there still might be crazies out there. And you, you never know in these kind of movies, maybe there's a case where there is a new breed of these things that have become stronger or something that are sent down. You know, we still don't know what kind of alien they are, but I really like this one. I thought it was a, a lot of fun and so glad to have seen it on the big screen where it was meant to be seen. This is one of those movies you have to see on, you know, big screen. Yeah. I mean, they say, they say that all the time, like this movie you cannot miss. Now this definitely is something that you just have to experience this, the intensity of the alien attacks to um, those just quiet moments. And this film again, like the previous one, I mean, having already established the world that we were living in, what I loved about it was there was just great tense moments. Every, you could not relax. Like in this world, you can't relax at all. You can't breathe. You know, I found myself holding my Literally. breath times. Yeah, I was like, <gasps> you know. So, yeah, great action, you know, great addition to new characters. And, again, revealing a couple new tidbits and a little bit of stuff that's going to leave you wanting more. Like, again, this world, there is so much they could do, you know, with this franchise. But, of course, you know, Emily Blunt has said that Krasinski, her husband, has already been looking at, uh, been writing up um, draft for the third one and making this a trilogy. Which would be really cool to see where they could go and you know, let's uh, are they going to take this off the home uh, earth or what? You know, who knows? Uh, will he come back for more flashbacks and, and put himself in the movie? We don't know. But uh, I'm excited they to four, see. They have 400 days to, to play with. I mean, yeah. we see it would be kind of neat to see um, you know, how they set up the farm to be uh, the security kind of way they have it set up but there's still a lot they could play with the, with this whole world and i also read that there's uh potential spin-offs in the works that would include other areas of the world that have nothing to do with this the abbott family so still a lot i think we can see coming from this quiet place universe uh especially as this movie has already done very well in the box office so um love this quiet place part two now playing in theaters obviously if you listen to this i hope you've seen it otherwise we spoil the whole movie for you but that was this week's potential pick thanks for listening to the potential podcast you can follow us on instagram and facebook at the potential podcast or on twitter at the potential pod or you can email us send us your positive feedback and thoughts suggestions and more through our email the Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.